as we gather today, may we draw from the lessons of this weekend's Pride celebration. You know, we had a group of congregants from this church host a table at the expo, and we marched in the parade, and we saw so much joy, so much love that has been forged in the crucible of oppression. As we worship today, may we find love and joy as we struggle in these challenging times. May we make a way out of no way and affirm this blessed community that we journey together in. Welcome to First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque. I'm Reverend Bob Lavalley, and I'm so glad to be back after a very grounding two weeks off. And I am so very glad to welcome back our music director, Susan Peck, who has returned from her sabbatical. Huzzah! We miss you, Susan, and it's so good to see you again. Reverend Angela is off this weekend. She'll return next week. Our worship leader today is Kristen Satterley. The Reverend Katie, Katie Colbert of Tampa, Florida is sharing our time for all ages today. Thank you, Katie, for doing that. Our DJ today is Arnie Golarud, and our tech team is Chris Paul, Michaela Renz-Whitmore, and Matt Pardreder-Villarreal. Thank you all so much for co-creating Worship with Us today. And I'm so happy to welcome our preacher this morning, Christine Robinson. You may have heard of her. She was the minister here until she retired in 2017. She says that she has not figured out retirement yet, and she has three big jobs and numerous mentoring and preaching gigs in the past four years. We're so glad that you're here, Christine. And I should, I should let you know that uh, because we're having, she's having some technical issues, her sermon will be uh, presented in video form, but she's here also on the, on the service. So finally, if this is your first or second visit and you're comfortable with it, please say hello in our chat bar so, and let us know where you're, you're joining us from so we can say hello back and give you a welcome. Kristen has a couple of announcements for us. Good morning. There will be two special events in the breakout rooms after the service today. In room one, you will be able to meet our new ministerial in intern, Matt Pargeter Villarreal. In room two, you will be able to meet the church board in a virtual coffee hour. There will also be at least two regular breakout rooms to chat in as well. Here's how it will work. At the end of the credits, you'll see a list of the available breakout rooms. Just click on the one you wish to go to. You can even visit more than one room. When you're ready to go to a different room, just click leave room and you'll see the list of available rooms again. Just click the one you want. See you there. And in what do we place our faith? What does it mean to keep the faith? What is it that Unitarians believe? These are just a few of the hardball questions you sent to our ministers for last year's question box sermon. If you have a new one or if yours didn't get answered before, now you have another chance, but time is running out. Next Sunday, the question box returns. That means that instead of preaching, Angela and Bob will draw your questions and take turns responding. Put your questions in the chat box by typing Dear Ministers in front of them or email them to specials at uuabq.org. Now let us light our chalices and candles. As the first sparks of gold light the highest branches of the cottonwoods, 
As the days start to shorten and our thoughts turn toward the coolness of fall, we light this chalice in gratitude for the warm hearts of this congregation, which will carry us through whatever lies ahead. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I invite you to join in singing our opening song. This is an old familiar one to those of you who have been attending for a while. And if it's not familiar in the first time through, you can just echo me and then we're gonna rock out a little bit. It's pretty easy. The words are in the chat bar, Oh, We Give Thanks, which was composed by Wendy Luella Perkins, who is a Unitarian minister up in Canada. Here we go. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day, for all gathered here and those far away, for this time we share with love and Would you like the chalice as we say our principles? Each person is important. Kind and fair in all you do. We're free to learn together. We search for what is true. All people need a voice. Build a fair and peaceful world. We take care of our planet. We work together for diversity and against racism and oppression. Thank you, everybody. Good morning. I'm Pastor Katie Colbert, and our Time for All Ages this morning was written by Molly House Gordon, and I have adapted it. 
I am recording this outside in the mountains of North Carolina, where my um, dad lives, in front of the door to um, his house. Because today we'll be talking about change and doors, thresholds to change. So I wonder how many of you have read the book or seen the movie, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. My son Casey absolutely adores this movie, and I love watching it with him because I love magical things. So in the movie, Lucy, one of the characters, goes into a room to hide, and she crawls into a wardrobe, which is just like a big piece of furniture that you put clothes in. So she crawls into the wardrobe to hide, and she notices that there's a panel in the back of the wardrobe, and she goes through it. She had no idea. She had no idea. It looked like she's like a regular wardrobe with coats and clothes and stuff hanging, hanging in it. She had no idea until she was already in Narnia on her way that something was changing. There was change that was happening. Many of the thresholds in our lives are like this. We don't know. We're crossing into another world until we're already halfway there. We don't know how much our lives are about to change. The door of a church, for example, might lead us to a pathway of growth that we never expected. The door to a doctor's office might suddenly open up to a whole new life after a very hard diagnosis. Your life is completely changed when you walk through that door. A restaurant door opens up to a first date and echoes forward into a relationship that lasts a lifetime. A beloved person's door closes behind you and leaves you heartbroken. The door to a library or a gym or a dance studio introduces you to a life's passion a life's passion that you might not have otherwise discovered if you had not gone through that door. We all have seen a lot of change these past 18 months, and it has required a lot of courage and a lot of flexibility. Some of us were stuck behind the doors of our homes for months, and were eager for the day that we could open up the door to our friends and our families' homes. And across the country and the world, so many of us, so many of us are still waiting to walk through the door into our sanctuaries, into our religious homes. And so many folks closed the door to their place of employment or their school and have yet to return. We long for these doors to open again. Recently, my spouse and I separated, and so we're living in different places. So it has taken some adjustment um, for my children, my teenage boys. When they come see me, they open up the door to my new apartment. When they see their dad, they open up the door to the house that they grew up in. So it's different. Things have changed, and they don't necessarily like it, um, but we are adjusting we cross these thresholds every day, every day of our lives. Sometimes it's good, sometimes not so good. We cross these thresholds in joy 
and in sorrow, and in bittersweet truth. Truly, every door, every door we walk through is a great threshold. No matter how familiar the world inside or how familiar the world outside may be, given that our lives are constantly changing, constantly changing. Every day, every day we may open the same old door again, only to step out into a world that is completely different from the day before. Completely different. I feel this every single day. In this way, there is a new world behind every door, whether we like it or not. And it's awaiting our discovery. It's awaiting our discovery. If only we will encounter it as such, a discovery and an opportunity to grow and learn and transform through that change, even though it can be really hard. Let's pause the chat for a few moments during the meditation and the prayer. Let's take a chance, take an opportunity to ground ourselves in our bodies, to ground ourselves in the present, in the here and now. We'll do a little exercise. So just hold up your hand and we're gonna repeat to ourselves I am here now. And we tap a different finger with every word. So, I am here now. I am here now. I am here now. Keep going without saying it out loud. Just thinking it. Okay, let's take a couple deep breaths together, inhaling and lifting our shoulders up to our ears, and exhale, softening down. Let's do another one. Inhale up, exhale down. Now that we're grounded and here in the present, let's sit together in sacred silence for two minutes.
Each of our lives is braided through with strands of joy and worry, gratitude and sorrow. Here in this shared space, we are knit together into a beloved community, lifted by one another's gladness and helping to lighten each other's burdens. When the music starts, please share your joys and then your concerns as prompted by the video.
We see each other in our joys and concerns. We are companions on the journey together in our joys and concerns. We also lift up Geraldine Bowen, who was mourning the loss of her youngest sister, Ronell Adams. And we lift up Wendy Sims Small, whose stepfather Farrell passed this week. May light perpetual shine on them both. All these joys and concerns, and those joys and concerns held in our hearts unspoken, but no less deeply felt, all of them we lift up to the great powers of celebration and healing and renewal known by many names. Join me in prayer. Today we pray for Afghanistan. Today we lift up prayers of anger and lamentation. We pray for the young people who served in the U.S. military in that war, who were misguided by the Hollywood myth of the nobility of killing and dying in combat. We pray for those young people whose idealism was betrayed by cynical leaders for 20 years. We pray for those who didn't come home and for those who love them. 
We pray for those who came home forever scarred by the war. As they witness the pointlessness of their sacrifices, may they come to learn a deeper, more nuanced idealism, and may they continue to serve in ways that benefit the common good. We lift up prayers of lament and anger at the military industrial complex that grew fat on this war. May the chokehold that they have on our economy, on our national treasure, and on our national imagination, may it be broken, and may the swords be beaten into plowshares. We pray for the women of Afghanistan as they face a return to forced illiteracy and status as chattel. May the small taste of freedom they received in the past inspire them to resist and grow. May the new governors of Afghanistan see the value of giving women a fair and full place in the running of that country. We pray for all the lives lost and diminished, diminished in this misguided war. We pray for the people of unlucky Afghanistan, forever pawns and in international aspirations, forever bearing the consequences of decisions made far from their borders. May they make their slow way to, to autonomy and to peace. And we pray for Muslims everywhere who are unfairly painted by the brush of the extremists. May all know that Islam is not a monolith and that Muslims are our siblings as people of faith. We pray that we as a country may learn a lesson from this debacle of hubris and incompetence and greed. May we somehow become a better country for all this suffering. We pray for our church community in this confusing time, knowing that we can never go back to how we were before the pandemic. May our experiences foster a willingness to try new things a deeper compassion for those who are differently abled, and a vision of the power of our congregation in tumultuous times. And may we all be held in the heart of love. Peace be with you. And also with you. Our interlude today is a beautiful song by the Quaker songwriter, Carrie Newcomer. She writes, you can do this hard thing. And the hard things range from trying to, from struggling with a math problem or getting that phone call in the middle of the night that you didn't want to get. But this is, you can do this hard thing. table with my head in my hands a column of numbers I just could not understand you said add these together carry the two now you you can do this hard thing you can do this hard thing not easy, I know, but I believe that it's so. You can do this hard thing. 
winter station, breathing into our gloves. This would change me forever, leaving for God knows what. You carried my bags, you said I'll wait for you. You can do this hard thing, you can do this hard thing. It's not easy, I know, but I believe that it's so. Morning at Blackwater by Mary Oliver. For years, every morning, I drank from Blackwater Pond. It was flavored with oak leaves and also, no doubt, the feet of ducks. And always it assuaged me from the dry bowl of the very far past. What I want to say is that the past is the past and the present is what your life is and you are capable of choosing what that will be darling citizen so come to the pond or the river of your imagination or the harbor of your longing and put your lips to the world and live your life Good morning, friends. 
It is so good to be with you this morning, even if only on Zoom. And scrolling through your videos and faces and names has been an encouragement to me this past year and a half, new folks and old folks alike. It is so good to be together in all the ways that we can. And it feels good this morning to be helping out Bob and Angela. The pandemic has been terribly stressful for ministers of all denominations. And with burnout and illness and exhaustion and early retirement numbers way up. And so I want to take care of my ministers. And because of that, retirees who've been, who can, have been pressed into services, temporary and virtual and interim ministers. And that's what I've been up to this year mostly. It's been a long learning curve of new tricks for this old dog, I can tell you that. But of course, you know, it's not true that you can't teach an old dog a new trick. It just takes a little more patience. And the same is true of people. So here we go. This morning, I wanna talk about resilience, which is a physical, emotional, cognitive, and spiritual skill that allows us to keep on keeping on, living our life fully through all of the changes and disasters and stresses and illnesses and losses of our lives. As I start, I need to remark that my task yesterday was to muster a good deal of resilience in the face of a problematic internet connection, which is why this is recorded this morning. These days, and every challenge does seem like a pylon. These past 18 months have been, it seems, just one thing after another. Pandemic, politics, police, storms, fires, lies and insurrections, and then more pandemic and more lies and more disasters. The inability of our nation to unite around a common threat and get most people vaccinated is a current crisis and it feels like a terrible predictor of our future society and world. But here I am and here you are, worshiping together on a platform that most of us had not even heard of and would have rejected as a poor substitute if we'd been asked two years ago. And I hope that in spite of all the bad news, the conflicting advice and the privations you've been through, you realize just how resilient you've been. Here you are. Being resilient doesn't mean being upbeat and ready for anything with a smile all the time. That's Pollyanna. It means rather coping most of the times and sometimes while fighting a bad mood, but still living, growing, and learning. A year ago last May, just as we started to realize how long and slow ending the crisis was going to be, and I started wondering how much resilience I had to cope with it all, my little dog Mosby had a crisis and I got to watch how he coped. I was inspired and I wanna share his story and the things he reminded me of with you. So Mosby is a little Yorkie Terrier and he has an attitude. Mosby apparently was born thinking that his job in life is to protect his family from all threats. For instance, pickup trucks, skateboards, bicycles, and especially any member of that extremely dangerous species, canine. It makes peaceable walking in the neighborhood quite the challenge. So we walk him in the early morning and we installed a doggy door for him so that he can have quality outside time and the safety and privacy of our small walled backyard. 
Well, one morning, I discovered him in our nice, safe backyard with blood all over his face. The vet said it was probably a raccoon he had tangled with, and she commented that he was lucky to have come out of it with only a slashed face. She brought him back to me with a cleaned up face and antibiotics and a cone. Poor Mosby. All he was doing was protecting his family. Well, I'd heard plenty of jokes about dogs and cones, but watching a dog get accustomed to one, oh my gosh, it is pathetic. They bump into everything, which jerks their heads around. They have to learn how to get at their food and water bowls. They can't use their doggy door. They can't groom themselves. They can't scratch their ears. They can go on walks, but their senses of sight and hearing and smell, so important for a dog, are all changed. And if they're a dog of short stature, like my little Yorkie, their little necks get tired. But if they droop even a little, that cone catches on the ground and trips them up again. A cone, in the other words, is a major adversity for a dog, totally puts our mask problems to shame, and is well worth the anger and frustration that Mosby could throw at it, which he did at first. He tried over and over to escape all those changes by charging out his now too small doggy door. That was doggy denial at work. He growled at us when we tried to help him. That was doggy displaced anger. He curled up in his bed and he stared at us with his big eyes. Doggy depression. Denial, displaced anger and depression are three enemies of resilience. I bet they sound familiar. And oh gosh, we did feel for him. We pampered him and we fed him his favorite fancy food from a spoon while he alternately moped and tried and failed to do things the old ways. Poor little guy. Lots of changes to cope with, lots of learning to do, and his nose probably hurt too. We went to bed with heavy hearts that night. But do you know, the next morning, cone and all, Mosby was ready for his walk, insistent even. So I leashed him up and off we went. And from that moment on, in spite of all the bumps and annoyances, the changes and aggravations, which went on for a week, Mosby, by gosh, led his life. And he's fine now. Material objects, like elastic, show resilience when they snap back to their original shape after they've been stretched by stressed by stretching. This is simple resilience. It's really important. A few weeks back, when I hauled out the cloth masks I'd stashed away, hoping to never have to see them again, I noticed that their elastic, which was very resilient during pandemic phase one, was, well, pretty flabby. I could relate. I didn't feel quite as snappy about starting in with the old mask thing either. However, with no resilience, the old elastic just wasn't doing the job anymore. After a few days of procrastinating, due to my own lack of snapback, I made some new ones. Living beings are more complex than elastic bands, of course, and snapback isn't all there is to resilience. In our case, resilience is not just going back to the old normal, it's learning to cope with the new normal. Mosby's resilience showed 
not only when he got his physical energy back and his face began to heal, but when he learned new things, how to manipulate that cone so he could get at his food and water, to not try and go out his doggy door, to let me know when he wanted me to let him out or scratch his ears. We know we're showing resilience in the face of adversity when we are learning, learning about the new situation and its demands, learning new skills we need to cope, or learning how to keep our spirits up in hard times. What did you learn last year? What did you learn that you can bring forth to this year? Well, most of you learned to Zoom. Since I learned about Zoom in my first post-retirement gig with the UUA, I spent March and April 2020 helping folks, mostly church folks, and especially our older folks, master Zoom. And I have to say, it was inspiring. We fought with old hardware and weak internet connections and a bunch of frustrations and a learning curve that seemed pretty darn steep. And we got everybody online. Congratulations, that's resilience. Here's another way Mosby showed his resilience. In spite of what must have seemed like a sudden baffling and very annoying set of changes in his life, he went right on living it. Eager for his walk in spite of not being able to hear or see quite right, eager for food even if he had to relearn how to get it, eager for affection and even eager to get out in the backyard and bark at his canine neighbors. Of course, Mosby's a dog. And dogs specialize in living in the moment. They don't tax themselves with worries about things to come or why things changed or who's to blame or how they're gonna live. One of the ongoing spiritual lessons our pets teach us is as we observe this wholehearted way of living. We humans don't come to that naturally. What we come to naturally, it seems, is anxiety and worry about what was next and the need to plan and maybe some anger about what should be and isn't and dissatisfaction about what is. That inner restlessness and ability to plan, that's sort of the essence of who we are, uncomfortable as it is. That's what set us, sets us apart from the dogs and why the dogs rely on us totally to shop for their foods and get them to the vet and stay stocked up with poop bags, right? It's our real purpose in life, that planning for them, along with scratching their ears. It's what we're good at. But if anticipating and worrying and planning and being dissatisfied is the only thing we're good at, we may have a lot of purpose, but we will have precious little joy. We have to learn then to be like our dogs. We need poets to remind us, as Mary Oliver does, that the past is the past and the present is where our life is. So come to the pond or the river of your imagination or the harbor of your longing, put your lips to the world and live your life. How did you live your life during pandemic phase one? I myself reverted to type, it seems. I jumped into virtual ministry, but I also tried out personal training. I became addicted to jigsaw puzzles, which reminds me, anybody want to do a trade? You have to be living in the moment to focus your mind on those tiny little pieces. Last summer, I dug up all the obsolete grass in my front yard, inch by inch through the hard soil. 
Last spring, I worked as a volunteer usher at one of the vaccination centers, and what fun that was. I even saw some of you there. Thank you. Your vaccination helps us all. Well, I bet you did those sorts of things too. You lived your life in spite of masks and lockdowns, worries and unwelcome restrictions. You lived your life. Your dog would be so proud. Most of you have been through plenty in your lives. Crisis, change, illness, relationship and work issues. You've learned a thing or two. And you know that your ancestors went through much worse and survived and passed on some good resilience genes to you. So let's ask ourselves how we can nurture that resilience so that we can move on in good health from COVID-19 phase two and be better prepared for whatever comes next in our lives. Now, my little Mosby didn't give a second thought to how he could increase his resilience. That's kind of a human question to ask but let's ask it. To be resilient, you need to start some basic habits of mental and physical health. You know, enough sleep, exercise, good food, social interaction, however you can get it, care with the chemicals we so easily become dependent on. You need to go to your morning walk every day or whatever your version of exercise is. If you're a little Yorkie who must suddenly carry around a great big cone, it is good to start with a strong neck, even if it now has to get stronger. So take care of your health, mental and physical. The second set of habits that promote resilience are habits of clear logical thinking, as well as heartfelt emotional intelligence. It's hard to bounce back when you indulge in fuzzy cognition, from wishful thinking, conspiracy theories, to denial and willful cluelessness. Fuzzy thinking, I'm afraid, is more endemic than the pandemic these days. That means our own individual, group, and political good thinking is all the more critical. So resilience means checking our facts, remembering our logic, knowing the ways we're likely to kid ourselves, and conversing with others who look to finding the truth over being doctrinaire. Those are practically articles of faith in this congregation. Yay, Unitarian Universalists. Mosby's first reaction to his cone was to try going on as if nothing had changed. That was his denial phase. This denial is one of the most powerful kinds of human fuzzy thinking. In denial mode, Mosby tried repeatedly to escape out his doggy door, now too small for him with painful results. He was in no mood to pay attention to me either, although I could have helped him with this. Thinking that he knows it all is a persistent cognitive bias of his, which I am sorry to say he is completely unaware of. But you're smarter than that, right? Wisdom is knowing what you don't know and getting help when you need it. Intellectual honesty and facing the facts is in the end, the key to finding new solutions, to learning what we need to learn in a new or stressful situation. It's no fun, it's just necessary. Being resilient, you see, doesn't mean you'll feel great all the time. It means you'll be able to live your life, learn and grow in spite of the fact that you don't feel good. Wanna hear that again? 
Being resilient does not mean you will feel great all the time. It means you'll be able to live your life, learn and grow despite feeling bad. While your nose still hurts and your ears don't seem to work and you have to maneuver a strange new obstacle to get to your own water dish, the way to keep your spirits up as well as to master your new situation is to learn something, figure it out, make it work. And that is in part a matter of attending to our spiritual lives, we humans at least. We use, use the word spiritual very broadly. Here's one definition. The spiritual part of our lives is our attention to meaning and cultivating a sense of mental and emotional calm. So someone had clapped my head in a cone and wouldn't take it off, I would not be a happy camper. I would be disabled. That would take adjusting to pain and problem. Most people would understand. But if I wasn't careful, I would add to my own pain and problems with my own undisciplined mind. How dare they, I might say to myself. This is so unfair. I must have done something wrong to deserve this. What's the matter with me? Mosby knows nothing of self, such self-talk, but I'm afraid I do, and you probably do too. I've had to practice shutting down that sort of thing, or at least talking back to it. I learned to do that in meditation and in therapy. I'm still subject to all the painful disappointments and disabilities and changes that we all are, but I work at not making them worse by cultivating calm, reminding myself not to believe everything I find myself thinking, and also that sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, we'll see. And I pay attention to things that give me meaning in my life and try to live out what I think of as my purpose. I'm more complicated than my little dog, of course, who is not able to soothe his cone sufferings by remembering that he got them doing what he thinks is his line of duty. But I can remember that, I can, and believe me, during the week that I was up and down and up and down, letting him in and out of the backyard, scratching his ears and giving him his pills, I reminded myself that he got into this condition earnestly, if misguidedly, protecting me from a predator who could have easily been three times his size. Remembering that love and that meaning was an important part of my spiritual life that week as I remembered what's important to me. Another skill that fosters resilience is the skill of keeping the end in mind. That is to say, being able to act on your values and goals even when you are distraught or depressed. I learned that crucial value of this from you. You've probably heard the first dozen years of my ministry here were not so smooth. Some wonderful things happened, but also we kept getting bogged down by controversies, some of which were pretty serious. But somehow, every time I started thinking, if this goes on for one more season, I'm out of here, or if they keep doing this, people are going to start leaving this congregation. Nobody wants to belong to a church that is this conflicted or some such thing, that conflict stopped. Not because I'd voiced my thoughts, but because it seemed that there was some kind of group wisdom 
that kept the congregation from growing so far into its conflicts that it really hurt itself. Somehow at the, those moments, someone or some group would say something or do something unexpectedly wise and they would be unexpectedly followed. Eventually, I linked this group behavior to the church's very early history when the elders told me they faced all kinds of adversities, but just kept on going. They said, we told each other, just keep the door open. Whatever happens, just keep the door open. Well, there was a lot of adversity and conflict in the first 30 years of the congregation's life, and then in the next 12 years after I arrived, but this was also a congregation that somehow knew right down to its DNA what its primary goal was, keep the doors open. And it was able to act on that even in hard times. And look what came of that. Wow. What's your life's end right now? Mine is to continue to be of service, to keep in touch virtually if necessary with my friends and loved ones. So a little work, some computer gaming with my siblings and our young adult kids, some volunteer work for the city, living as lightly on the earth as I can. What are your goals and ends that you can focus on while times are bad? By the way, institutions, societies, and nations also experience resilience. And because they're made up of people, their resilience resembles the humankind. It's not only a matter of bouncing back, but of learning and growing and developing greater ability to face the future effectively. So a resilient congregation in these COVID phase two days, for instance, would be a congregation that was not clamoring to go back to the old ways things used to be, but rather a congregation asking, whoa, what have we learned? Who can we serve now? What's the purpose of this congregation and how can we fulfill it under these conditions? How do we keep the doors open in these strange days? I know you're that kind of congregation and I honor you for that. And I honor each of you so far in your lives, each and every one of you, even those of you who feel very battered right now have ridden the waves of life successfully, resiliently, with a little help from friends and family and faith and our basic habits of healthcare in part because we discipline ourselves to live out our values, think clearly and cultivate peace in our minds and hearts so we don't make feeling bad any worse than it already is. We mostly manage to be resilient enough to ride even the biggest waves of change that are a part of all that is our lives. Blessings in these hard days. May you use this time resiliently to heal, to learn, to grow in wisdom and in spirit. In a moment, we'll receive the offering. The Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico is our Change for the Future recipient for the months of June, July, and August. The Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico provides information, referral, support, and advocacy for people in New Mexico with brain injuries. You can make an offering online by clicking the link that we'll put in the chat box. 
And if you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. Now let us exercise the enduring power of generosity.
What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Church of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque, and thank you on behalf of the Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico. We sure appreciate it. We're coming towards the end of the service, and as always, we're going to share a discussion question. Question for today is what do you do to stay in the present now? How do you stay in the present now? And Michaela's going to put that in the text, the chat for us. And I just want to be, remind folks again that there are special breakout rooms today. At the end of the credits, you'll see a list of the available breakout rooms and just click on the one that you want to go to. You can go back and forth between rooms. And when you're ready, so when you're ready to go to a different room, just click leave room and you'll see all the available rooms again. So just pick the one you want. And if you have a problem, just stay in the main room. We'll be happy to help you out. Let's extinguish our chalices and candles. As we move out of this service and back into our everyday lives, let us remember to come to the rivers of our imagination or the harbor of our longing and put our lips to the world and live our lives. Go in peace, gentle people, and practice radical love.